Welcome to Pathfinder Academy. Class is now in session. Here are your professors, Caleb and Christian. Good morning, class. You may be seated. Today's lesson is Pathfinder 302, role-playing your stats. And today we have with us a special adjunct professor and guest, Paul from Tales from the Lich. Welcome. Hi, guys. I like to, to think of each other as sister podcasts. I think sister podcast is a good, you know, word for it. Uh, everyone should be familiar with Tales from the Lich because we run ads at the end of every episode or sometimes in the middle. Go check them out. But today we're talking about how to role play your stats. Christian, what does that mean? What's this question about? So every character, as we know in Pathfinder, has a set of six stats. Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. High or low numbers mean that you are good or bad in respect to that stat, but it's not a very um, strict way of what a high or low strength score means. Yes, we know mechanically what a high strength score means or what a high intelligence score means, but there's different ways of representing that and reflecting that in your character through both uh, gameplay and roleplay. And this isn't just for Pathfinder. While we're going to be talking about these specific ability scores, pretty much every role-playing game has this. The stats influence and represent who you are. So how do you roleplay them? And this is where it can get sort of weird. I mean, there, there is some obvious rules-based stuff that, that I'm not talking about. I mean, stuff that has a determination of success or failure. Like if you're good at riding a horse or if you're good at picking a lock, that's pretty much determined by your lock picking or your ride check. You can have a eight strength character go around trying to break down doors because you're almost guaranteed to fail the checks you need to make. So role play it all you want. I'm just going to do it all day, every day. And, or he could just, you know, go around and not try to break down doors because he realizes he can't do it. Either way, you're still considered role-playing your stats because there's a black and white determination of success. What I want to talk about is more abstract ideas. Like, because you have a six wisdom and intelligence, do I have to go around continuing to try to break down the doors because I'm not smart enough to realize I can't do it? I feel like this might represent me in real life. <laughs> I think the problem occurs when you have to self-limit. Now, hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying choose to self-limit, but you have to self-limit. Choosing to self-limit is fine. No one's upset about the guy with a high swim score who's not swimming all the time. <laughs> I'm now picturing just like a pool campaign where you in a world full of pools and you go pool to pool. Uh, you can have a guy with a high swim score who never swims and have a good role play reason for that. He was a lifeguard and in his past someone drowned. And so there's an outstanding circumstance. So he swore, I'll never swim again. That justifies you not using your high swim, swim skill. I'm talking about the player who solves a puzzle but the low mental stats of his character makes it so that he's not smart enough to solve the puzzle with no sort of in-game mechanics like skill checks or what have you to tell you whether or not you can't do it. Yeah, I've been thinking about this problem a lot since you brought it up. You know, let's say low intelligence. Can your character solve a puzzle or solve a riddle? And one thing that I, I try to do with, and this is very specific to this stat intelligence you know say as a person you're able to solve the puzzle but your character logically wouldn't be able to i like to imagine your character having a personal experience that kind of propels them to success it's a little hammy and might require a little extra role playing but i like to imagine i don't know did you guys see willow no the movie i did not know well, it's, you know, it's a really old fantasy Ron Howard movie, but at the end, basically Willow, it, 
doesn't have any real skills, but he defeats this evil sorceress with a trick, and it's just a little sleight of hand trick that he does earlier in the movie, but, I mean, he's able to, to pull off this incredible feat because his character was able to do it for whatever reason. I think occasionally it's okay for a character to do something incredible because of, a you know, pulling from past experience, role-playing from that character's point of view. I do know Willow only because Leslie Hall has a song about Willow. It's a power dance song about that <sighs> movie. I've never actually seen it, but the, the song's amazing. <laughs> but I listen to the song every night before I go to bed. <laughs> this is something that I wish, uh, when I first started GMing, I had thought more about. Because this actually exact thing came up. A, character, a player who solved a puzzle and thought that their character was too dumb to actually figure it out, so they just didn't say anything. I had just put in a stupid riddle, and I asked in some really dumb, verbose way, don't do whatever kills cats. And the answer was, curiosity killed the cat, so they just weren't supposed to interact with stuff in the room. And the one mm-hmm. guy was, like, a barbarian with, like, eight in eight wisdom. And, like, he, I forget if he messaged me, or, like, he just leaned over and whispered, like, is it curiosity? And I was like, yes, that, that is the answer. And he's like, mm, I just I just don't think my character would know this, so I'm just not going to say anything. And me being a new GM, just let that happen. Mm-hmm. But then when it comes to that, the, what is the better answer? Like, uh, it's harder to say one of his past experiences would push him toward knowing the answer to this question. And that's a really unusual situation because him that character not doing something is almost what solves the puzzle. <laughs> but... um. <laughs> That's weird when the puzzle is not doing something solves the puzzle. I'm not quite sure. Why don't we break this down to maybe help us answer this question by going through each ability score and see if maybe that helps us sort of figure out this conundrum. So let's start out with strength. Strength is probably the easiest ability score to represent because it's very, very ingrained mechanically as to what it means in Pathfinder. And in the real world, there's really not a lot of leeway. If you have a high strength score, you're swole. If you have a low strength score, you're definitely not swole. And you, you can't pick stuff up. You can't carry heavy things. It's it's very black and white, this one. There's not a lot of leeway with it. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ones I think a lot, especially in Pathfinder, you have a lot of those black and white successes based on your strength. When you try to break down the door, when you try to lift something, there are some stats to say without you can do it. And there's no reason to, uh, to say, I'm not going to try to do this because of my stat that makes that bad you can still try to break down the door even though you're not strong and it just won't work and if whatever role-playing reason you felt that that was appropriate you know no harm no foul there's no reason here where you as a player think that this is this is the thing i need to do but i can't because my character won't do it um and i'm talking about trying here not about succeeding i totally agree i i basically think the first three skills generally are the easy skills to represent you know Mm -hmm. strength dex and con the physical or skills, definitely. The physical skills. I think when you come to the mental skills, that's where things get a little yeah, I agree. strange, but we can get to that later. So the next physical stat is dexterity. Um, dexterity is obviously how quick you are, how nimble. If you have a good sleight of hand, a lot of things run off of dexterity, such as dodge bonus to AC, a lot of skill checks like acrobatics, your initiative modifier. Obviously a high dexterity score means you are someone that is fast, someone that is nimble. Uh, whereas if you have a low dexterity score or a negative dexterity score, uh, you're clumsy, you're, you're kind of slow, you're uncoordinated. Mm-hmm. And as as a player, say like I play a ranged character, that I put a lot of points in decks and that determines my ranged throws, 
I don't really have to roleplay some guy jumping around all the time. I don't have to do that. Dexterity is going to help me in other ways. And that's the same thing if I, I was a rogue, my high dex, I probably would roleplay a little more jumping around, trying to roll through people's squares. But I got to tell you something. I'm not mad at all when my player who has a low dex doesn't constantly roleplay just clumsiness and falling over the place. I don't, I don't care. I don't, need, I don't need you to do that. I don't need you to gimp yourself like that. If you have a low dex, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah, it's a little difficult because it's um, it's something that to role play it being low like has mechanical repercussions, but no actual rules for doing it. Like a clumsy person drops stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, there's really no mechanic for like, and it would be a dumb mechanic. Like I reach into my bag to pull up my wand, and whoops, I dropped it. Like that doesn't happen. That's not something we do in mm-hmm. the game typically. I think a lot of it depends on what actually constitutes fun <laughs> like you yeah. introduce a mechanic about mm-hmm. you know your dex is so terrible are you constantly falling down i mean that really just stops being fun like right. why would you do that to your pe- players or yourself yeah why would you do that super smash brothers brawl <laughs> <laughs> ouch sick burn tripping if i have somebody that wants to be clumsy and they have a high dex. I'm not saying, mm, nope, your stats just don't say it. that's the way it is. That really is, that doesn't influence me at all. If my player wants to be something, then I let them be that regardless of what their stats say. And then if they want to build somebody that's really good at that thing, then they're going to put points in it. If they really want to be good at tumbling through enemies' threatened squares, they're going to have to put points in decks and they're going to have to spend their skill points in acrobatics. Uh, that's just what they're going to have to do to make that character reflect that way. But if they want to be clumsy or something like that, I don't mind them still having a high dex and just role playing however they want to do it. I think it's just what Paul said was what I think you hit the most important rule, which is let's just make it fun. And I'm cool with your stats reflecting other things so that mechanically you can be strong in one way or another, but still say, mm, I think it'd be a cool character trait if I'm always dropping every beer stein I pick up, but I love beer. All right. That's cool. I think it's fun. You came up with a fun thing. I'm going to let you do it. Let's move on to the next one, Constitution. So Constitution is your physical well-being. Mechanically, Constitution means you get more hit points and you have a better fort save, and that's really it. Typically, flavor-wise, a high Constitution means you are a hearty, healthy person. You don't run out of breath. You can, you know, you can go run a marathon, no problem. Uh, Low Constitution means that you're meek, uh, you're sickly, or you're winded rather easily. Uh, because con affects so few things mechanically other than your hit points, there's, there's not a lot of room for it for either role-playing or role-playing. Um, two L's, one L and an E roll. <laughs> um, the only time that I've RP'd uh, con was I had a character who had a negative con score that I represented through. He is kind of like was chronically ill. Not anything like that gave him an actual negative, but uh, he coughed a lot. He was an alchemist of some sort, so he was constantly making himself medicine so that he wouldn't catch, or other people wouldn't catch his illness, things like that. Mm-hmm. Now that you said that, made me think of like an alchemist that just breathed the fumes of his stuff too much. I think, Christian, you mentioned something in the notes. How would you roleplay somebody with, let's say, high dexterity and high strength? Sort of a strange uh, combination, but with, you know, very low constitution. Things like this, you know, whether or not you want to play it like this, it can make interesting role-playing experiences. Like, say you did have somebody with very low constitution but very high strength or very high dex. It's more about how you, in your way, create this person. How can someone be so sickly but very strong? I mean, is it their personal will that propels them to try to be so strong despite, you know, having weak lungs 
or just a personal illness, I think that can lead to a lot of kind of a fruitful role-playing experience if you really try to explore it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we don't always kind of create reasons for people to be certain ways or for people to have certain weaknesses, but if sometimes if we explore how our stats are set up in weird little ways, it can really kind of lead us to places we weren't expecting them to. Yeah, definitely, like, different weird combinations of stats have to make us think about that. I actually recently had a player who had that exact spread. He had very high strength, very high dex, uh, very low constitution to the point where, like, it affected him. And he was a, he was a martial character. He was on the front lines all the time. So it was actually, like, a pretty big negative for him. Yeah. And the way that he represented that was that he was basically, like, a runaway noble sort of thing, runaway prince kind of guy. Um, and he said that basically, like, he's been through all the training physical-wise, like, but he hasn't actually been in battles because he's royalty. People brought him things, so he didn't actually have to work hard for it. He didn't f- serve on the front lines of battles. He's just really been trained by the really good people, so he would get winded easily or like he knew the techniques but the second he took a hit he was like "Ooh, this is a bit much like i'm not used to this <laughs> whoa 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 wait 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 <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't sign up for this i think that's a great answer to that conundrum i think that's really great my thoughts are the same with decks if somebody i'm not mad at the guy who has low decks but doesn't play clumsily i'm not mad at the guy who has a low constitution but doesn't play sick all the time or being winded during running whatever i, mm-hmm. I, I could care less but where i do care more and where i think like Paul said, it gets a lot more interesting is these last three stats, the uh, mental stats. So start off with intelligence, Christian. So intelligence in Pathfinder is your basically your encyclopedic knowledge, uh, whether or not you can recall facts, how well you can memorize and learn new things. You know, everyone has different ways of differentiating that in wisdom. So a high intelligence score would typically represent encyclopedic knowledge of things like you don't really know the context of stuff um but you know you're basically uh an encyclopedia and the ability a good ability to learn and reason a low intelligence score means that maybe you're an unlearned person so you never went to school not necessarily that you're dumb just because that's the way you are just because you never had a chance to attend higher learning or maybe you're just very very stubborn yeah i really like stubborn (laughs) because i've met some and I don't, that's a weird bridge too, because intelligence and wisdom are so commingled. It's mm-hmm. sometimes hard to talk about one without kind of thinking about the other. But I've met, you know, even in real life, I've met some, some, you know, fairly smart people that probably would have been smarter had they not been so stubborn and so decidedly one way beforehand. Mm-hmm. I think depending how you roleplay something like that, you can really explain your character or have your character explained. I like intelligence a lot because it has a lot of room as to why you are or are not intelligent. It's not like strength where, like, obviously you're strong because you do physical things. Uh, Same thing with dex and constitution. If you have high or low intelligence, you can represent them in many different ways. Uh, so if you're, if you're a very high intelligence character, um, what, how did you get all your knowledge? Were you a bookworm? Did you spend a lot of time in places of higher learning and libraries, um, you know, absorbing all this knowledge from books, but you don't actually have firsthand experience of it? Maybe you are someone like an elf that traveled the world for years, maybe, you know, decades, centuries, and learned of all these things you know firsthand. Or maybe in the realm of, you know, magical things, maybe your knowledge has been imparted on you via a higher being or maybe some sort of magical item. It's not actually your knowledge. It's knowledge that's being imparted to you from something else. 
I used to help out in the inner city of Atlantic City with, uh, I don't know what the PC term is anymore because it changes every three days. Uh, troubled youth. Uh, oh, I think I know the word. It's um, youth at risk, right? At risk youth. Regardless, however you want to flavor that. Uh, when we had people come from all around the country, a lot of times we had people from the southern states. And they would come up. And a lot of these guys would be rather intelligent. But I would always give them the speech like, listen, I, I understand we're all like young adults here. We're all adults. But, you know, don't go out on your own. Don't just always go out with other people because as smart as you think you are, you don't belong to this city. This whole city sees in black and white and shades of gray. And when you walk down the street, you are bright purple. And everybody knows that. I don't care how much you think you're blended in. You just ain't. And they see you, bro. And anyone who wants to find a mark, you are very, very obvious. That's the there's there's this like you were saying there's all these different kinds of intelligence. You can be street smart. You can have lived in Atlantic City for ten years and walk down the streets and know that you belong and look like you belong and still know where you and where you're supposed to walk given what your uh, your background is and figure that out. And you got those street smarts even though maybe you don't got that bachelor's degree that the other guys got. There's different. I, I like that point you were making, Christian. There's different realms of intelligence and where you can get that from. If you have high intelligence, doesn't mean you had to have come from the Wizarding Academy. You could have come from somewhere else and just were sort of intelligent in your field or area or your walk of life. This is where we're hitting the tough question here, the question that we sort of brought up at the beginning. If your player can solve a puzzle, but his character has low intelligence, do you let him? And personally, I've never, ever said to my players... No, I don't think your character would have figured that out. I've had my players in the past limit themselves, and I've even said out loud to them, do what you want, do what you want to role play, but I'm I'm not going to impose that on you. So if you do want to solve that, that's fine. I don't want us sitting here for 10 minutes because no one solved it, while the whole time there's a player that knows the answer and he's known it for 10 minutes. I don't want that at all. Mm-hmm. I want us to have fun and keep moving. And I understand maybe we're breaking a little bit of what your character really should know, but... I'm going to figure out that your character figured out that cats are curious and they don't have to have a doctorate degree in medical science to figure that out. And I think that's a great rule for logical puzzles, puzzles that don't have necessarily mechanical backings. I think that's the perfect solution. When you want to, you know, put a barrier for things for actually intelligent characters, high intelligent characters, typically you would put that behind something like a skill check, such as a spellcraft check. Only high int characters are going to understand actual spellcraft. A knowledge um, check. Ling- linguistics checks, knowledge checks, things like that. But actual just like, you know, real world logic, I think you're correct. I don't think we should ever have a player know the solution and say, well, your character wouldn't know uh, the answer to the Sphinx's riddle. And I'm st- I still let my players, if they want to let themselves do it, I'm just a little wary and I give them that warning ahead of time. And if, it, if things start going maybe a little too long, uh, no, I don't think I'd bring it up again. I think once they make the decision, I respect my player's decision. Uh, but we just have to find another way around it. Yeah, I would respect. My player really wants to play. His character didn't figure out, even though him as a player did. I'll respect it if after I've said that he heard me. I'll respect his decision. So we spoke about the realm of high intelligence. Um, low intelligence has the same sort of spectrum in that, like, just because you have low intelligence doesn't mean you're necessarily stupid. Um, it could definitely mean that you're stupid. You never went to school. You were never interested in learning anything. And you were fine with just going through life being that way. But it could just mean that you're unlearned. Um, and I think a good example is a a druidish kind of character. They've lived in the forest their whole life. They've never been to urban areas. Um, they're actually like very soft-spoken. They're very wise. 
Um, but they don't know the name of anything in civilizations. They don't know the names of buildings or any of the tools you use. They don't actually know math. But, you know, that doesn't actually mean that they're stupid. They just never were taught any of these things and never had to know those things. Sure, but at the same time, very wise. They could have thought about life and meaning the whole time they've been in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Which I think, Paul, I'd like to hear you talk about more here. I see you have some, some very uh, uh, terse thoughts about how now this starts to bleed into wisdom and some of the weird interactions that happen when one of those scores is low and the other one's high. I Yeah, I just think it becomes it, it does become very difficult when you think about intelligence versus wisdom. If you think about intelligence and wisdom out of game, you could very easily say wisdom is intelligence plus experience. You know, did, did something happen to you and were you able to process what happened to you? The experience being wisdom and intelligence, the ability to process it. But I mean, does that work in a in a game setting? And I I honestly just don't know what the answer to that is. I feel like there should be a separation between the two, and I, I like how it works in the game. I like the idea of your mind having two parts to it. I think it works very well with characters, but it it can get a little frustrating when you when you think about it outside of game like is there really a difference it's such a strange subject and it's so you know cloudy and so it's it's hard to give definite answers on that but my gut you know. reaction was that i think you just better described intelligence and wisdom than anything i've ever said or heard people say uh, wisdom is intelligence plus experience the ability to digest your experiences. That's really cool. I think that makes more sense than than anything I've heard before. And I use the famously Christian-hated illustration of the tomato, that intelligence is knowing a tomato is a fruit and wisdom means not putting it in a fruit salad. And Christian wants <laughs> to murder me for saying that. And I, guys, I'm repeating this promise here now because I'm afraid that maybe we forgot it or that Christian forgot it. If we ever do a live show, Christian's he's wearing a tomato costume. It's just happening. <laughs> we made this promise and we don't back off on our promises. Well, I made the promise and Christian said, please, no, stop. And then I said, too late. Uh, but that's, I think, the way you said that. I think that I, I I can't find anything that says that's wrong. I really like that. Wisdom is intelligence plus experience. I mean, the game, the games are games, so they're going to be imperfect. I guess that's where the role playing really comes into mm-hmm. its own. How do you explain this? You know, you have to th- really think about your character. I don't know. When I pl- role play, I mean, that's where I try to have fun is my character, how to explain my weird, strange character. Why are they like this? Sure. So how can you explain a, a high wisdom and a low intelligence? What happened with this person? What's going on? When you're saying that, it made me think of a really nerdy analog. Um, I started thinking of computer science and like handling data and data structures. And the parallel that I got from that was... A high intelligence means that you have a lot of data, like you have all this data, you have information on a lot of things, but I would see wisdom as to how you store that data, how elegantly is that data arranged and how easily can you access it, um, how resistant is it to such a uh, hacking attempts and things like that, and sure. I'm just I'm just like doubly nerdy now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe a high intelligence, low wisdom person would occasionally say something brilliant with thinking with that in mind and but 
you know, most of their other thoughts are kind of hidden under, I don't know, maybe personal insecurities or just like cloudy whole thoughts. Episode, everything he said has been drivel, but then he had that one cool statement about wisdom, intelligence, and experience. <laughs> 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 I, I think the the classic example of high wisdom, low intelligent is like your I already said elderly. The example. We can, we can move on. No, <laughs> it is not. And like, is it like a sliced tomato? Is my am, am I like a slice of tomato, or I'm like a big round tomato? No, you're my a head? big. You're like Bob the tomato from Veggie Tales. <laughs> no, the worst veggie <laughs> in Veggie Tales. Why do you know its name? Why? Because I'm because I was raised a Christian. How did I not know that TV show? <laughs> There's like three Christian shows that have ever been made. Narnia, <laughs> Veggie Tales, and then about a million just like trash BBC developments of like, well, Johnny, that's not what Jesus would do. Did you guys ever play the Bible Stories Nintendo game? No, no but, but I've seen please them. enlighten me. <laughs> you should just look it up. <laughs> so, basically, I think there was four little games you could play. One you played as... Um, Noah's mother, and she had to like carry him down to the river. Oh, and then I think I saw like a JonTron episode or something on that, this. Was it yeah, Angry but, Video Game Nerd? I think did this. Did maybe I, I I played it a while ago, but it was so it was such a bad game. I'm but, so like, sorry. Basically, he would like you could either just like chuck the baby to like the desert or something <laughs> if you weren't careful, like just like Noah's <laughs> wife did. Uh, we, we're we're gonna later on do a, a whole episode about uh, inclusion and things. I'm gonna bring up a lot of uh, things about Christian and role playing. But I gotta say, you made me think of one of the uh, the most outrageous mods ever was Wolfenstein 3D. That old game that looks like that Windows screensaver that you go through a maze, right? And you're killing oh, yeah, Nazis. Yeah, yeah. My Laban, my Laban, and all that was modded mm-hmm. where it was Noah with a slingshot and you're being attacked by like sheep and other other animals and why that made any sense <laughs> I don't know but that was one of the most ridiculous mods that ever came out we're gonna make Nazis into sheep let's talk about wisdom now oh wait hang on <laughs> we gotta <laughs> what I was going originally going to mention is that I think the classic example of low intelligence no, no, high I wisdom just, we, you mean we just went on such a huge tangent off of you trying to say something Christian, what could you possibly well, say guess, that's going to be more interesting than what we did? The Noah shooting sheep from Duke well, then, well, Should I just say I nothing? Mean, should I just, I'll turn off my mic. No, go, 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 go. <laughs> no, actually, I guess before I say that, let's actually go over wisdom. We're talking a lot about it. Let's actually go to wisdom. Okay. And let me do what I should have been doing this whole time and actually read the description of the stat from, like, the Paizo rulebook <laughs> for Ooh. wisdom. Wisdom describes a character's willpower, common sense, awareness, and intuition. Uh, if you want your character to have acute senses, put a high score in wisdom. A high wisdom means that you are very aware. You have a lot of awareness. You have a lot of common sense, and you have a lot of intuition. Uh, a low wisdom means that you're impulsive. You're gullible. Um, you aren't good at thinking ahead or planning ahead. You just kind of live in the moment and do what's in front of you. Now, wisdom affects will, which is a very powerful thing to to stop spells and other influences that would control you. I think wisdom by far, high or low, is the hardest stat to RP just because it is so very abstract. I think I think of all the stats, this is the most abstract one. Sure, this in intelligence, I would totally agree. We all like to think we're very smart, but when you have a character with 20 intelligence, I mean, can you really live up to that? 
<laughs> I don't think I can live well, up to I mean, 14 intelligence. I can. I don't know about you guys. Do you get more pride with higher wisdom? Is that how that works? Unlike a lot of the other scores, like, wisdom isn't something you can fake. Skills like sense motive, perception, and your will saves do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of role-playing a high or low uh, wisdom score, but the other more abstract parts are more difficult to represent. No, that's totally true. I mean, you you would think that with a character with high wisdom, you would be imparting crucial knowledge or, you know, sagely advice to the other mm-hmm. characters. But, I mean, who can do that? Especially, say, you have characters in, like, a wartime situation. You're, you're not going to be necessarily saying the most comforting things to them just because it's just really hard. Well, now, now you're picturing me like like two soldiers sitting next to me. One is, like, a fresh recruit. The other guy's been in this war for five years, and the guy's all ready to go. He's rearing to go. The new recruit's ready to go. And, like, the old white soldier's like, yeah, I'll just sit here and wait. I know what's going to happen. I'll... I'll take my time. Yeah, that's true. You have you have a, you have something here. Uh, what do you mean here by does wisdom lead to more empathy? In, in my mind, I always imagined a person being more wise, a person having more experiences, would sort of be an empath more a more empathetic person. And this is just what I was writing down as I was writing down notes. But I guess it really depends because I would imagine if you had gone through more pain in your life, kind of seen more things travel the world you could kind of understand people and their motivations a little bit more would you have more empathy hmm. but then later on i was thinking about it and i was like maybe that's just not true at all i mean you could end up as a person who has basically gone through their own hardships and then just think well i i went through that why can't they get through that or you know i i don't know but my gut reaction was to think to myself if you had gone through pain, you would understand pain better, and you would be more empathetic towards pain. I can I can picture the villain where it's like you, you finally come up to him, and it's, it's the end of the game, and, you, and the PCs say to the villain, "You know, you you may be the most intelligent, wise person we've ever met, but you can't see the horror right in front of your face of what you're doing." Even though he's an old man, that maybe should have that high wisdom maybe he just doesn't have that empathy yeah i don't know you know i i wish i could i noticed that a lot of my my notes end with question marks and i think i just end up (laughs) confusing myself but i wish i could have more definite answers to these things but i guess it's really just depends on what you decide what you want it to be and that's the it's the discovery of answers that that we're trying to do here when we've now started talking about uh old people old people wow that's that sounds derogatory uh older people i think that in pathfinder this is a rule <laughs> not that old people older people <laughs> older people right old people is like ugh, old people that's like you roll your eyes and you squint your old people like ugh, fourth graders oh pathfinder has rules like both christian and i like pretty much say we don't use because they're just a power gamers dream or nightmare um where if you start aging beyond certain ages you lose physical scores and you get wisdom scores and that just makes sense to me now. When, it, when you think of a little person, while this isn't universal, I think this is this is a, a pretty strong commonality that they are wiser in their old age. And that sort of helps me understand a little bit of the difference between wisdom and intelligence 
as the old man may be wise, even though the kid who just graduated with his second doctorate may be more intelligent. I disagree with Pathfinder's increasing of your charisma score as well as you get older, because I don't think that one holds true. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think through your experiences, you're definitely going to learn more. You're definitely going to get wiser, but that doesn't mean you're going to be nicer. That's right. You, you know, it's yeah. the opposite sometimes. You just like don't give a crap anymore what people think of you. Now, has anyone here played a character that has a low wisdom? Caleb, you know, come on. <laughs> no, uh, no, a character, not you, not the player, the character. Oh, of course. come on. <laughs> I have a great will save. <laughs> Is that how you always resist my charms? <laughs> I'm currently playing Wendell from Out of the Abyss, and he, his, you know, actually his wisdom isn't that low. I think it's a 13 or something. But the way that I justified it to myself is that, I mean, he's a he's a very young kid. He's 13 when the campaign starts. And I figured he was somebody that was always willing to listen to somebody and to kind of hear what they had to say and then try to digest what they had to say. I always try to hear the other player characters out or hear the, hear the NPCs out and basically see what they have to say. I mean... He's not incredibly intelligent. He's not incredibly wise because one, he's thirteen and and uh, very naive. Mm-hmm. But it it can be very hard playing a character like that because you know <laughs> you know what should be done, and this isn't even necessarily solving puzzles or or riddles, but just how to interact with the other characters can be very difficult because sometimes you have to say very foolish things just mm. to. Just to make myself believable to me. Hmm. I, I listened. I listened to like I think the first chapter of the Abyss is Wendell the one that had to go bathe the drown maiden. Yes, <laughs> that was <Okay>. me. <laughs> Great job with that, by the way. That was you really really hard. That there, Paul. <laughs> That's a very popular moment that people bring up. <laughs> <laughs> um. It, right now in Trailblazer Season 2, my character, Lanris, uh, definitely has proved to date like one of the hardest characters to roleplay. Because when I was making him, I made the decision to give him low wisdom. Mm-hmm. And represent that by he makes poor, impulsive decisions. Um, he's very emotional in his thinking. He, he doesn't think things through at all. He will just do whatever feels he thinks is best at the time. Which is really difficult for me because I, I am the opposite of impulsive. Mm-hmm. Like if someone could come up with a knife, I'd be like, "Hmm, hang on, wait a second. What is his intention here? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe there's something more than what I'm seeing." A lot of times, I had to make decisions that were like what I knew were really bad decisions, but I knew that my character wouldn't think so at the time. At, at one point, uh, what I'm about to say is a minor spoiler for Trailblazer season two. So if you're listening to that and don't want anything spoiled at all, um, skip like uh, two minutes or so. I actually, my character makes a really bad decision and gets kidnapped. Just listens to someone, someone says, is like, yeah, I'll go do that, and goes and just straight up gets kidnapped. And the whole time, Christian was like, this is really stupid. I would never do this. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I, I trusted Caleb in that, you know, I can, it, this isn't a... See, look, there's another poor decision. He trusted Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I trust Caleb in that, like, we, we have to be able to run games where people can make mistakes. Like... Yeah, it's going to happen. Like, we can't have a world where no one ever makes a mistake. And I can trust Caleb that, you know, if I make this decision in context of my character, I'm not going to get like utterly destroyed and have to make a new character. And I'm trusting my players enough that they that they know that if I throw a hook out, I'm not going to punish them for biting it. 
Like that mm-hmm. whole kidnap thing didn't come out of the blue sky. I planned it, and I wanted him to take advantage of that. He he wasn't like the terrible player that just says no to every hook that comes at him. And no, no. I will say that even though, Christian, you do make occasional kind of impulsive decisions as your character, Landris, I've been listening, and I never feel, I guess, frustrated with your character, which is good. It It, it all seems very natural, and I think that's kind of what we're all hopefully going for with our stats and how to roleplay our stats. It can very easily be frustrating and annoying to hear a character kind of maybe too closely follow them or not follow them enough, but I don't know. I think it's just something that comes with experience and, and roleplaying and, you know, also with a good GM to give you those options, but I, I've never felt at odds with any of the decisions that you've made as Landris. Oh my goodness, I feel like a superstar. You listened, and you, you liked it. Oh, I'm a diva now. <laughs> oh, wait, Chris, she's only, heard, she's only heard chapter one. We've recorded two more chapters since then, halfway through the last one. He's going to get frustrated, uh, I we'll guarantee. We'll see. <laughs> Let's move on to the final score, Charisma. So in Pathfinder terms, Charisma is uh, a measure of a character's personality, personal magnetism, ability to lead, and their appearance. The appearance one is actually like a lot of people argue about that, but that, that that is it as written. So a high charisma means that you have a high likability. People just kind of inherently like you. Um, you have a strong personal magnetism. People kind of flock to you in social situations. Like you're the guy at the party that people want to, they want to come to you and they want to talk to you. Um, and you have a strong force of will. When you say things, uh, when you want to do things, other people are more willing to go along with what you say. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a low charisma, you're someone that's kind of generally unlikable. Uh, you're the guy at the party that no one listens to. You make a joke and no one laughs because no one was listening to you. Um, you might have difficulty conversing with people. The whole beauty thing is definitely a holdover from you know the first incarnations of role-playing games, specifically Dungeons & Dragons. And I myself, since I didn't come from, I'm not part of the the old crew, I was introduced it fairly recently, I never liked it, so I never used it. I never, ever let charisma determine looks. I let the player choose his appearance, and then the events of the game get determined any sort of changes. I mean, if you're in, like, nine explosions, I'm going to say, maybe you have some burns, okay? Um, Yeah, but they look really cool. Yeah, oh, they're awesome. (laughs) Uh, But I don't have, like, that sort of thing briefly just touch on like and i think maybe we mentioned this in the romance episode i never have anyone roll charisma determine the length of their schlong or anything ridiculous like that <laughs> let's just i don't maybe 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 uh i'm just more conservative than you guys at tales from the lich it's just not something i ever really cover i don't need you to roll if hey is the barmaid pretty let me roll charisma real quick that's is just that not what rules? i do wait have we not been using that one i'm interested <laughs> i think um I totally agree with you as far as charisma goes. I don't think charisma should have anything to do with necessarily your looks. I think it can if the character wants it to be. Sure. One thing I've been th- kind of playing around in my head is I would really like to play a character who is very beautiful, for some reason puts NPCs off or puts player characters off. Like, for some reason, he just stares for too long or she just kind of looks off into the distance, kind of past them. And I feel like that would be very interesting, a very beautiful person who is very uncharismatic. And I feel like that would really get to the heart of how I feel about charisma. Because you you mentioned the um, burns and such, um, and I think that's an interesting way to think of charisma. You can necessarily be ugly, 
um, but not not unattractive, which is a weird thing to say. But you know, you got those sexy scars, like you got the eye scar, like, like maybe your skin's burned, lost. but it's yeah. it, it's a pretty pattern. Like you're an ugly potato, but you're a lovable ugly potato. Like mm-hmm. you got that little charm about you. And that's the, it's like the it's so subjective. What's to say that because this one thing that is beautiful, quote unquote, is beautiful to the other guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think. I want an illustration. I think this may happen when a lot of people have certain skin conditions, whether it be freckles. Um, I forget the term where uh, you lose the pigment and it's white. Albino? No, no, not your whole body. Like little spots that are not, oh, they don't even oh, have the tan of a white had. pigment. It's completely pigmentless to the point where the sun just like really burns. Regardless, anyone can get this. Regardless of your ethnicity. I had a friend who I thought it looked really beautiful, but you know, she was very self-conscious about that. It's all, maybe some people did think that she looked ugly, but that was totally wasn't me. Everyone has a different aspect of beauty. I don't know if we've already talked about this or if we'll talk about it later. Uh, but like when I describe my NPCs and I want my players to think of somebody that's beautiful, I'd be very careful not to describe them. I don't say she's got long, beautiful blonde locks and she's supple. Maybe it's not what everyone has a different idea of what beauty is. So I just go, a beautiful woman walks into the bar, period. Now, everyone has in their own mind what she looks like. But when we're talking about charisma, moving on from just the whole beauty part of it, the, the name part that it's sort of used for when it comes down to stats wise. This is the whole, I think of somebody like a high wisdom and a high intelligence below charisma. That's the guy who's like playing like, well, my blue eyes white dragon is going to defeat you because it has the highest stats and it's got five power. <laughs> and even though six expansions have come out, nothing can defeat him. Because if I combine him with the Minotaur from season four, it's like, bro, okay, dude, I don't want to play no more. I'm gone. Enjoy. You, you win. Bye. I'm out of here. You're weird, right? You can have that sort of thing. <laughs> Caleb, you got all that wrong. Um, Blue Eyes Dragon has 3,000 attack and oh. 2,500 defense. <laughs> Sorry, thanks for correcting me. Thanks for displaying your intelligence. No problem. What you just said, I feel like, comes back to what we said earlier. How can you have fun with this? How is everybody going to have fun with this? It, it is a little difficult when your definition of charisma or how charisma works may differ from another player you're playing with. How can you come to a... Uh, how can you come to a compromise of how these mechanics work with your role playing? I might have been. I think this might be more abstract than wisdom, because like when you think about it, two different people could say the same thing and take it, and you know, people around them could take it totally differently. Oh, absolutely. Um, just going back to the you know, per people at the party example, like you could be that guy, and you could say a joke, and no one will laugh at it. A different person, a more High charisma person could say the exact same joke, and it everyone laughs at it. To me in high school, literally. <laughs> See, and like, how exactly do you capture that? Like, how do we measure that? That's not something tangible that we can measure and put a put put a number to it exactly. But you know, we have to try our best to capture that. Mm-hmm. And so, I want to hit sort of like what the the main heart of this discussion is: the person has the low charisma, but he, as a player, and is playing even as as a character, a guy who's likable the guy who's making cracking great jokes do you as a gm have to make sure all the NPCs don't laugh at his jokes how does that work if your player sort of makes those jokes and things and acts as if he has a high charisma are you telling him to stop what do you do about that is your do you have to do anything about that i feel like personally i would ask the player okay you've got a low charisma how do you want this to happen are you are you trying to be a really charismatic, fun-loving person that people are going to be drawn to? Or is this kind of an ironic thing? Or do you think you're this way? Like, do you think you're you're really fun-loving and charismatic, but people are really just disgusted with your bad breath? Because I think when it comes down to it, 
yeah, what is this? What is this person trying to get out of this experience? Hmm. I think I think that's a, a I think that's a DM decision right there. Well, I like I like how you actually like cared about the player's thoughts. Everything I've said so far, like as a GM, this is what I do. You're like, I wonder what the player wants. <laughs> as as a sort of a GM, I think maybe an elegant solution might be sure. Everyone in the bar laughs at the joke. It doesn't mean though when he tries to get the free drink that they're going to give it to him. Sure. And I think you're right. What is my player trying to do? I think this is an important question that I feel ashamed I didn't even like sort of ask this ahead of time. What am I as a player? What is my player trying to accomplish? Maybe he has a, a certain thing in mind. Like I honestly and importantly put a low charisma, but I'm acting like this because this is the way I think he is. I think he is the guy. He is the, the, the mouth breather to be derogatory. The guy whose breath smells all the time and he's making those jokes. I want to role play that guy. And I thought this was a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. So, like you said earlier when we we're talking about, I think, wisdom, having that relationship that you know each other well between the GM and the player really will foster having that be a success. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. My friend Christian and I were just cooking up some burgers and having cookout, getting ready to set off some fireworks. Hey, Caleb, do you think these guys would be interested in joining us? You know, I bet they would. I mean, if they listen to Pathfinder Academy, they got to be cool, right? If role-playing games are your thing, why don't you guys check out our other podcast, Trailblazers? Trailblazers is an actual play podcast where you can see many of the concepts addressed in this show come to life. Season 2 of Trailblazers has been great so far, and I especially like that you can get into it without any prior knowledge of Season 1. It's definitely a fun adventure, especially if you like mysteries and a dash of cyberpunk with your fantasy. If high fantasy is more your style, then consider giving Season 1 a listen. You can listen to Trailblazers on this very feed. We've got a bunch of other ways to listen as well, so go to our site tblazer.net for a complete list of the ways that you can listen. So go ahead, get yourself a hot dog off the grill, set up a lawn chair, grab some dice, and join us. Alright Christian, light them up! Man, it's so hard to believe that back in 1996, we managed to defeat all those aliens. Caleb, are you are you talking about the movie Independence Day? You know that wasn't a documentary, right? Oh, you. Always making jokes. So we talked about a couple weird combinations. Let's go through a couple more and see how we think we would represent having certain highs, certain lows, and different stats. Um, so we just spoke about high in, high whiz, low charisma. How about having a high wisdom score? So, you know, you're a wise person. A high charisma score, so people like you and listen to you, but you're really dumb. <laughs> like, who, can we think of any, maybe a character from popular culture or how we would represent this role play-wise? Because I think this is actually a pretty difficult and interesting one. I can't think of a, a person in pop culture, but this is in my life all the freaking time. What do you mean? I have a lovable oafs around me all the time. I think maybe I attract them because I am one. They're like, ooh, one of our kind. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you think you have high wisdom, Caleb? Because uh, like I know a guy that's just so genuine and sweet. Recently, he asked me to, to write him a recommendation for a, a, a thing he's applying for, and I just gave him a stellar rec- recommendation because he's just the most honest and sweet guy in the world. But there's times when I'm like, "Come on, Jake, you really think that's the way it works? Come on, buddy." But he's just a sweet, awesome guy who I think at any point, if I was to go to somebody for advice. He'd be somebody I'd go to because I know what he was going to talk to me about was going to be coming from a loving stance. He was actually going to listen to what I was going to say and try to give me, you know, real, real good advice from that position instead of just trying to flout his intelligence. 
Yeah, mm. I like that idea of, of somebody that you go to for advice, but you know you're not necessarily going to take that advice. You know, somebody that's able to talk to you about the issue and they're going to be, you know, charismatically eloquent and maybe well-spoken about what you're talking about, and they can hear you speak. I feel like that has to do with, I feel like that has a lot to do with charisma, being able to hear somebody. But, you know, maybe just even listening to them speak, even if they don't say the right thing, their take on it will give you another perspective. Hmm. And I think this actually goes back to the example that I don't think I ever ended up giving. Um, the quintessential high whiz, low intelligence, and potentially high charisma. Um, I, I think that is iconically the monkish kind of ca- character, the the monastery sensei, very old, the, you know, Kill Bill whisking his beard around. I, th- I think that is the, at least for high whiz, low intelligence is like the poster child. And you had mentioned earlier, like, does having a high wisdom necessarily mean that you're empathetic? And when I think of, you know, a monastery instructor, I don't think of them as very empathetic. A lot of, you know, whatever I consume in popular culture that has uh, examples of that in it, they're typically like very harsh people. Like they actually put you through hell because they want you to be stronger. Um, Sure. And I mean, another thing about empathy is you can see there's pain in the world. That's just what happens. Mm-hmm. What what can you do about it, and why should you try to change it? There's a certain wisdom to that, too. All right, I got one. A character with high intelligence, high charisma, but low wisdom. Ooh. So what immediately pops into my mind, and I got to figure out how to get the charisma in that uh, in there, is um, like your college professor that's insanely smart, insanely likable, but very disheveled. Like their papers are everywhere. You go to their office, and there's like no organization uh, you know, maybe their clothes aren't tucked in, but, you know, they can command a class, they can lead a class, and they can teach it. They have very strong knowledge on the subject matter. Just maybe in their personal life, they're a little, you know, just disorganized in general. Hmm. Um, they get surprised very easily. When you flag them down the hall, they're like, oh, oh, oh hi. <laughs> That's a good one. You've got the, the, the sort of um, Einstein character there. In my head, I imagine a, say you're following orders from a uh, army general the guys studied the tactic books you know through and through he's got complete command of his unit of of, of all of the soldiers but he hasn't adapted to what's been on the battlefield i mean you tell him you know he knows mm-hmm. these tactics work in these situations and he's trying to apply that knowledge but he's not taking into consideration the machine gun's been invented or something like that and he refuses to to, to think about how the situation's changed. I, I think uh, my father-in-law, who would who does constantly, will tell you a story. And he tells it to where he immediately grabs your attention. But the entire time you're thinking, what does this have to do with anything that just happened? It's just coming out of the blue. Why are you talking about this? At the very the end of the story, you're like, oh, I see why you brought this up. And I also see what point you're making. I picture the guy who doesn't have that last part, who's captured me with a story, and at the end you're asking, why did you tell me this? Oh, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. Okay, cool, bro. Why don't we focus on fighting this dragon, and then we can get back to that. All right. So one of the last things I want to talk about here is the skills. These things are influenced by your ability scores, uh, but I want to go over a couple of them. Really, most of them have black and white successes that – Sort of like at the beginning of the episode I talked about, you can roleplay however you want despite your score. There's only a few that kind of pose something we should talk about, and that's bluff, 
your ability to lie, diplomacy, your ability to negotiate, and intimidate, that's self-explanatory. Skills aren't as much of a problem as the mental ability scores, because again, they have the rules that determine success. But you as a player, and even as a character, could craft an elaborate lie that is the best anyone's ever done, but the role will still determine that you failed because you have a zero to your bluff check and you rolled a one. So how do I how do I reflect that? Should I on purpose dumb down my lie to reflect the stats? What I think not a lot of people use uh, that I think should be used a lot more is there's actually a little table in the bluff skill uh, in this particular instance that has conditional modifiers based on certain factors. And I very commonly for well-crafted lies will give the players a circumstance bonus mm, on their bluff that's check. Good. That's good. Um, just to give a few examples um, of the bluff modifiers, uh, the target wants to believe you. Plus five modifier. Hmm. Um, the lie is believable. Actually, is just a plus zero. So, like, I would put add to this table. The lie is really good. Maybe a plus five. Maybe even up to a plus ten, depending on exactly what they say. Hmm. Um, and then it moves on to like the lie is unlikely. You take a minus five. I think um, that's really cool because then you could have some really, I think, extremely interesting moments, memorable moments that would define like, oh, yeah, remember when Christian did that? That was awesome. Because I don't think you can be, you're able to craft a brilliant lie every time. But when you craft this brilliant lie, you have a terrible check, but you roll and combine with your bonus from telling that awesome lie, you get a 20 and this amazing thing happens and the GM's like, well, there goes half my plans because you just talked your way into the city. That can be an awesome memorable experience that I don't think will happen any, every time. So I think that that is really cool. But what makes it sort of difficult is that things like lying, the success is determined after you actually do the lie telling. But I think what mm-hmm. you just said was very important, that sort of circumstance bonus, especially with Pathfinder. I'm not sure with other systems, but other systems, even if it's not rules written, I think you might it might be smart to just give them a small bonus to it as an elegant solution. I generally also give the bonus for actually good lies, you know, good presentation. I do it even though I do feel like it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure for me because I do know that some of my players, you know, even if they start lying to an NPC are going to start sweating bullets in real life. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, ooh, this person is not a good liar. And how much am I going to allow one person to step out of reality and not let another person step out of reality? But, I, you know, I still give the bonus. And it's I've never had a, a player get angry about it or mm. upset that one person got more of a bonus because they're a real-life better actor than another person. Well, Paul, you just – there you go shaming me again, actually thinking about the the <laughs> feelings of your players. Uh, <laughs> honestly, it's honest. I didn't even think about that. What a really powerful point you just brought up. You don't want to rob somebody else, and you don't want to stop them from stepping out of themselves. They want to role play somebody who can lie well, and they can't craft determine lies. Do they feel robbed because – this dude who has a zero to his, his bluff check, I have a plus 15, and he got a better score than me because he, in real life, impressed you with his lie. I feel bad about that. That's well, tough. I will say it is. it has literally never been an issue. I've never had par- car- uh, a player complain about another character doing something like that. But it's something I've thought about, and I wondered if it, if it would ever come up. And so far, it hasn't. I don't know what I would do if it did come up at this point. That's it's just going to depend on the players and the situation. What might prevent that is maybe not make those bonuses quite so big. 
or known either. That's a good point. I mean, that, that that's a whole episode in itself, the things you keep from your players because it helps everyone. Yeah. It's not like they have to say the lie in character. Like, it can just be that the player was paying attention. They say, you know, they were paying attention. They read something. They remember something from a couple sessions ago. Um, it's not necessarily that it had to be a good liar in person, but if they have the right material and they say, you know, I say that his daughter is in the hospital and, like, that's a fact yeah. Uh, that is believable from like a few sessions ago, I would definitely give them a circumstance bonus. And it's mm. not necessarily that the person saying that is very charismatic in real life. They were just paying attention to the story. Sure. And while we've only discussed bluff here, I think these all things transcend into diplomacy and intimidate and those such things. Oh, definitely. I agree. Well, why don't we give our final thoughts on the subject? Uh, I think that, and this is like nothing I haven't my mind wasn't changed here. Uh I like it and uh, and are happy when my players use stats to help their role playing. They on purpose pick stats to reflect what they have in mind, but I never let it limit them and I don't feel like they have to do that. If my player wants to be good at bluffing and has a low charisma, I'm fine they just put points into to bluff. I'm I'm super cool with that or if they want to be attractive and want low charisma or if my player wants to dance around the battlefield but he's got a low dex i'm not i'm fine with that and all that stuff because all the rules are there whether or not they actually succeed i don't need them to if they want to be sick all the time but they have a high con i'm, I'm cool with it I, i'd rather facilitate the role playing and let them do what they want to do especially because at no point does me allowing them to do these things ever break the game because of the inset rules there so i let my players have that freedom knowing that it's just going to be better for them which is going to be better for everybody uh, the one thing I do have changed, however, honestly and truly, is I'm going to think a little more about my players now. Uh, Paul brought up a lot of good points that were like, maybe you should just consider your players a little bit more. What are they trying to do? How would they feel if you did this? That I, I, I'm going to honestly give a little more thought to in the future. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> I wish you had done this three seasons ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, my final thoughts is that me as a player, I am someone that tries very hard to make my mechanical character sheet match up as close as possible to my character idea. So these are all things that I've thought about before, and I typically don't have, like, a lot of issues integrating them, but not everyone is so very familiar with the Pathfinder character creation rule set because there's, you know, what, 10 years of splat books it's now and it's things to, it's ridiculous. to choose from. Like, you can't expect someone that's been playing for the first time, or maybe even they've only been playing for a year, to be able to perfectly align a character um, sheet with their character idea, so you have to give them this leeway. Uh, you can't be so strict with these things, I feel. And like you said, Caleb, let them have fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's just about not not limiting your players when you don't have to. If the game already handles limiting them, then you don't have to impose any more restrictions. I don't have to... No, listen, you have a low deck, so I don't want you jumping around. Listen, the acrobatic skill will handle that. Yeah. As far as my final thoughts go, I, 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 I agree with you guys in a lot of respects. The only thing Good, that otherwise we wouldn't let you back on. <laughs> the only thing that uh, the only thing I like to encourage players to do more is think about your weaknesses. Why do you have weaknesses? It makes a lot of people like to, especially new players, like to think about their strengths and I'm I'm this good at this thing, I'm this good at this thing. It's really fun to think about why you're bad at something. Mm. Um, and it can really lead to some interesting facets of a person and you know uh, it leads to a lot of reasons why you might really love your character and 
I just encourage people to to look at that. That's really interesting because you know who said the same thing? Andrew from your podcast. Um, oh. We had him in that episode and he talked about how the limits and what your characters bat out can really define them. That's probably why we get along ones. so well. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a topic I've seen talked about recently. I want to say on Reddit there was a thread and someone brought up a very good point in that. Um, it, it ties back to what I said earlier in that in Pathfinder, it's inevitable. At some point, you're going to fail. Um, the dice aren't going to like you one day. You're going to get into a situation where, you know, your exact definition of winning isn't feasible. And if you have a character who you only think of their strengths and how they succeed at things, it's going to feel really bad when you fail at stuff. Whereas yeah. you're someone that has well-defined weaknesses and drawbacks. When you fail, it's not a, it's not a surprise anymore. It's welcome. It's something that gives you more development with your character. Yeah. And you know what? I think I would... I've heard this before, and I think this is something I would probably discourage at the table, and that's when other players start doing that. Don't you have a low intelligence? Do you really think you did? Bro, bro, he's playing his character. Let him do that. If I really think it's getting out of hand, I'll talk to him, but don't do that to your fellow players. Let's be, like Paul said, considerate of our fellow players, and let's think about them, and let's not throw hurled things. I think you're playing your character wrong. (laughs) His his strength's only 14. That that drives me out of my mind when a situation like that arises. You usually have to be like, look, that guy is being his character no matter what. Because all the stats are trying to do is reflect what you have in your mind. You have a character in mind. You're trying to put him down on paper. Sometimes it's not perfect, but we want to be true as much as we can to what you have in your mind, what you're trying to make. So let's finish this up with something a little bit fun that Christian had an idea about. Pathfinder actually has rules of what happens when your stats reach zero. <laughs> Essentially, if any point one of your stats reaches zero, you die or you lose control of your character. So let's go over each one and see what happens. Uh, you don't necessarily die at each example, I don't think, but we're just going to go down the row. Um, starting with strength. So uh, I'm going to give the the having a one in it and then having a zero. So having a one in strength means that you are morbidly weak and you have significant trouble lifting your own limbs. Um, a zero means that you're too weak to move in any conceivable way and you're perpetually unconscious. Wow, having trouble breathing there. <laughs> like, the weight of the atmosphere is actually crushing you actively. <laughs> yeah, I picture, like, yeah, the person is, is crushed under their own weight and just like, oh, that don't work no more. <laughs> My epidermis is so heavy. <laughs> uh, by the way, the reason we're, this is even being talked about, because I know no one's going to start off with a zero in their strength, is because there's different things that can reduce these ability scores, different effects from monsters and stuff. So dexterity, if you have a one, uh, you are barely mobile and you're probably significantly paralyzed. Um, moving to a zero means that you are just fully incapable of moving, but you're unlike strength, you're not unconscious. You're just so uncoordinated, you actually can't move. Are we going to go over weird combos with zeros in them? <laughs> you had a 20 strength and a zero Dude, dex. I want to build a caster in a wheelchair now. <laughs> I've got a zero to my decks. Push me around. Push me to the battle. It's like, drive me to them in the tank so I can hit them with my sword. 20, 20 strength with zero decks. You just have this insane normal force. <laughs> and when people touch you, they just get blasted away. <laughs> like other, like your allies just push you into your allies and to your enemies. But just drop them, them from the roof on top of the, the enemies. <laughs> you leave a nice crater. <laughs> Oh, constitution. Uh, having a one means that you have a minimal immune system and your body reacts very poorly to anything foreign. Moving to a zero. So you can't means read that- anime anymore? <laughs> Do you mean mangas? <laughs> oh, 
You caught me, Christian. You caught me. You, you, you out otakoed me. That's rough. No, no. I don't want this. <laughs> I never asked for this. A creature with a constitution score of zero is dead. It has kicked the bucket. It has shuffled off its mortal coil, run down the curtain, and joined the choir invisible. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Does it actually say that? I, I think this that's actually the D20 PFRSD nice. uh, custom. Uh, intelligence. Uh, if you have a one, you live by the most basic instincts, not capable of logic or reason. Um, actually, a lot of animals have yeah. like twos and ones. Yep. So this isn't very unseen. Uh, if you have a zero, you're just comatose. Yeah. Hmm. You're Which I, I feel like a lot of the mental stats are probably just going to be your comatose. Like I said, you just can't understand anything enough to take action. You just can't perceive the world anymore. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. No, wis- wisdom is perception, Caleb. I thought you knew this. <sighs> well, if I'm in a coma, I have a feeling I have a pretty big negative to my perception. If you have a one in wisdom, you're seemingly incapable of thought and barely aware. Uh, the example creatures are gelatinous cubes and animated objects. Uh, zero means that you are incapable of rational thought and unconscious. I feel like one would lead to the other, but okay. <laughs> I mean, you could be incapable of rational thought and running around, scaring people. I mean, obviously, that's one of my co-hosts. Well, you can do the last <laughs> one. <laughs> you guys are friends. Come on. Prove it. No, that, <laughs> this is how it works, Paul. You'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> You'll learn to hate us, too, as much as we hate each other. As much as we hate ourselves. No one can hate us as much as as good as we can. And finally, uh, one in charisma means that you are barely conscious. Uh, You appear blank and completely expressionless. Uh, Zero means that you are unable to express yourself in any way. Also, you're unconscious. I don't know why. (laughs) Why do they keep combining things? Just say unconscious. Nothing else matters after that. This unconscious person is just, you know, the the way they're being unconscious. You're unconscious and you can also no longer shuffle cards. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you ever just see a really attractive unconscious person, Caleb? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> just the the way they're unconscious, you're like, wow, I admire that. I wonder if I could be that unconscious. We had a chance to talk with F. Wesley Schneider, co-creator of Pathfinder, and get his opinions on some topics we're discussing here in the 300 series. Let's see what he had to say about role-playing your stats. Let's talk about, uh, we're doing an episode on role-playing your stats. Mm. Do you let your ability scores affect your role-playing? I.e., if your character's wisdom and intelligence are low, you can't solve the puzzle, even if you as a player have solved it, or where do you stand on charisma measuring attractiveness? It sort of depends on your group. Um, If you've just got a group together and you're like not playing a really role-playing heavy thing and you're just there to have fun it's gonna be a feel bad if the gm is being like "Mm, yeah i'm sorry there phil you used a four-syllable word and i see that your uh (laughs) your intelligence is only seven so could you maybe dumb that up a little bit um you can only use (laughs) syllables which is your intelligence divided by two plus one it's it there you go perfect (laughs) perfect Um, so that's going to be the, the thing where it's like, there would have to be so much moderation. Like that's of course an example that takes it to like a ridiculous extent. Sure. Um, but if you're just there to have fun, I, I'm largely like, just play your stats are there for the game mechanics. Don't worry too much about playing your stats unless you want to. On the other side, if you've got a group that is very RP heavy, if everybody's into it, if that's what you want to do, freaking go for it. That, that's, that's great. Um, I mean, 
my big thing for pretty much any RPG is play the RPG and play the that RPG the way that is makes the most sense for the group and the people that you're playing with. In some cases, that's going to mean um, playing everything strictly by the rules and doing everything a certain ways. And some sometimes it's going to mean that for that group, it might make more sense to, you know, be a little more hand-wavy about things. At the end of the day, the point is to have fun with your friends. Um, so whatever you can do to make that work, more power to you. When your player asks, is the barmaid pretty, do you roll charisma? <laughs> I'm trying to think, uh, like, really? Um, probably, honestly, if I was, it's like, it just kind of, if it got down to that decision, it's like, well, I'm not going to roll wisdom or strength. Um, so, like, just by process of elimination, I guess. You don't know what I find attractive. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the world's strongest barmaid. Yeah. Dex is a huge turn-on for me. Joe Carricker, um, a designer at Green Ronin, had this great, great, great example where he's like, oh yeah, what I did was I had all of my players bring me just printouts of three people they found attractive, three people they found on un- like you know from artwork, not like you know pictures yeah, wait, from well, Facebook. I put them in the binder and I went to the bathroom. What are we doing? Yeah, Wes? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not that. Um, but just like pictures of like essentially uh, headshots for NPCs, and it was just like find three mean people, find three pretty people, find three whatever. Caleb just gives you three pictures of Angelina Jolie. <laughs> I mean, my wife, my wife, my wife. I mean, my wife. Um, so he, like, shuffled all of those together, like, over the course of the adventure, would just be like, ooh, and you run into, like, uh, the barkeep. And Channing you, Tatum. you hold up a picture, and it's like, oh, yeah, look, it's Angela Lansbury, whatever. Um, but then, like, he reveals the bad guy, and it's totally like some like somebody at the table is totally like because it's totally one of the people that they're like I'm attracted to that person. Um, that, oh, like no. it, this <laughs> was great. all very much for like one of his much more storytelling games. I think it was Monster Hearts or something like that. So I'm not recommending this for your D and D or your Pathfinder game, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty intriguing little way to how do you get that sort of attraction element? Well, I think we were on a like romance. And, uh, RPG panel or something, and he brought that up, and it's like, oh, that's a that's a pretty funny way to handle it. So that just stuck with me. That's great. Did they have to be printed in color? Did he reimburse them for the costs of the cartridge? <laughs> I am not going to go down the rabbit hole of like, but how and why and what sites did they use? And it's like, yeah, can I, can I get a card like to <laughs> already said copy. too much? I'm sure. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, you know, we started this episode because of an errant statement in one of our race overview episodes. I forget which one. We talked about, huh, but this would be interesting. We should do an episode on that. And just like then, we've we've daisy-chained off to a new episode. I think we're going to be doing an episode on lying to your players. Because it's a provocative title. We need to get them clicks, son. Uh, I think that would be an interesting topic to talk about. Uh, h- how you do that, when you should do that. Maybe even lie in your gym. When do those things happen? How do you deal with those situations? And when is it the right thing to do? I think it's an important topic uh, that, that will come up out of this. So that's cool. We're gonna keep. We're, we're gonna come up with some of that that episode, and we'll daisy chain till you know ad infinite ad infinium. But that's it for this episode, Paul. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Where can people get more of you if they want more of you? Which, of course, they do. Um, they can check out TalesFromTheLich.com. You can find us on iTunes, Twitter. Uh, we play around on the internet, you know. I, I love, I've, I've listened to every episode except for one series. I'm still, uh, well, and maybe one of your bonuses because you took it away from me. Yeah. <laughs> that was, we won't speak of that one. No, that, that one. What, what are you talking about, Caleb? I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I highly recommend it. We've, we've been uh, partners in crime for a long time. You guys should absolutely check that out. Uh, I don't, we don't run their ads because they're paying us for anything. It's because we genuinely like them and we, pre- and we try to give them a, a hand up. Speaking of hand up, if you guys want to give them a hand up, go on their iTunes, give them a five star review. Uh, as any YouTuber will tell you, it really helps us out. Like, comment, subscribe, like, comment, subscribe. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Class is dismissed. Pathfinder Academy is part of the Trailblazer Network. For other great Pathfinder podcasts, visit our site, tblazer.net. Want to get in touch? You can email us at tblazernetwork at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at tblazernetwork. I've been Nicholas Laborde. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jacob, you want to play some D&D tonight? I can't. Uh, I have to go make love to my wife tonight. You know, I don't even know if I love her anymore. I don't really know her. Like, what am I going to do? Someone should tell Jacob that people change, and it takes effort to stay connected with someone. But in the meantime, the fellows at Tales from the Lich always stay connected through gaming and friendship. When you can't play, listen. TalesFromTheLich.com Hey, uh, happy Valentine's Day.